Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. I'm uh, excited because we are continuing in this series called Jesus, and the reason we named it that is because that's what the whole series is about. Uh, we decided we were going to go back and we are going to spend four weeks just talking about foundational things like who is Jesus, why did he come, what's our appropriate response to those things. And so if you were here a couple of weeks ago, you know that we talked about Jesus as our Savior. The fact that we, uh, we had a sin problem because that original sin, it broke our relationship with God. We had no way of putting it back together. So God loved us so much, he sent his son to be our savior. He came and he died on the cross. He rose again and he paid for our sins and he offers us this, this opportunity to receive him as savior, to have forgiveness of our sins and have eternal life. But we also talked in that first week about how uh, he's done all the work. He's, he's offered it to us. Now it's our choice. Do we re- reject it or do we receive it? Jesus wants to be our savior. Last week we talked about Jesus as our sanctifier. We found out real quick that justification and sanctification are two different things. Like when we receive Jesus as our Savior, immediately we are made right with God, but then we just are at the starting blocks of sanctification. That, that is a lifelong process of the Holy Spirit doing work in us to make us more and more like Him every day. That doesn't happen immediately. That happens over a lifetime. Uh, but we are uh, justified with God, and then we start working on our sanctification. The Holy Spirit, we just partner with Him, and we talked about several ways that we can partner with the Holy Spirit in our sanctification work and, and the work that He's doing in our lives. Today, I want to talk to you about a third aspect of Jesus, and it's Jesus as our healer, as our healer. And I want to tell you up front, uh, I've been praying a lot over the last several weeks preparing for this because I know that this is one of the most controversial subjects within churches. Uh, it is, it's one of those things that we struggle with. We see so much um, just bad theology out there that doesn't align with what we see in Scripture. And so we're going to take a look at this today. We're going to dive into it. And uh, if you receive Christ and you get serious about your faith and you dive into the Scriptures, especially Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you're talking about the you know, the, the, the gospels right there, the first four books of the New Testament, what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of healings, some miraculous healings that Jesus does. And, and taking a look at all of those healings will reveal some facts about who God is. It'll reveal some facts about uh, how he heals and whom he heals. Uh, you'll notice that many times he heals just by the word, like he'll, he'll speak a word. He doesn't even have to be there and they'll be healed. He heals by the faith of the sick. Your faith has made you well. And and there's several places where he heals people to release them for service. There's places where he heals to restore life, like he brings them back from the dead. We'll talk about uh, one of those here in a minute. Uh, He delivers people from demons, from demon possession. Uh, It's through the faith of even their friends. Uh, Again, we'll we'll talk about that one here in a minute. Uh, He talks about so often he reveals who God is, his nature, his heart, by some of his healings. And so there's a, a lot of different healings that take place in the New Testament. And if you read through that, it's so miraculous that you can't help yourself but come to this question of, does God heal? Like, does he heal today? 
And there's theology out there that says no. And there's theology out there that says yes. And so which is it? I just want to share with you before I dive into this that I'm teaching a lot of this just from personal experience. We actually, our story has a lot to do with Jesus, our healer. Uh, My wife and I got married at a very, very young age. We lost our first child. When we lost our first child, her health tanked and it just started going down. And it started an entire year of just testing and doctors and trying to figure out what was going on. And after a year, uh, we found out that she was diagnosed with lupus. And that started a lifelong fight with a, a stinking disease, just horrible disease. And it's a strange one. If you know anything about lupus, it's just, it turns in on itself. Like there's so often she'll start having pains and we'll go in and the doctor will be like, well, yep, the lupus has now identified your liver as a foreign object. So it's trying to attack itself. Uh, And it does it all the time. She's lost the fluid around her lungs, lost the fluid around her heart. Uh, When we were very young, um, she still deals with this today, but it was really bad when we were young, 18, 19, 20. She was so crippled up by arthritis because it had attacked all of her joints. She couldn't even get out of bed. She was struggling with that. Um, she lost her hair several times. I mean, we've fought this battle for many, many years. Now, we, uh, especially those early years when things were really going bad, we spent a lot of time in prayer. We believe that God is a God uh, of healing. And we prayed that she would be miraculously healed, that God would just take that from her. And uh, I can tell you after 30 plus years, God has not healed her from that. And so when I asked this question, does God heal? My answer, if I'm answering that question, is yes, absolutely he heals. And that might sound odd after the story I just told you, but let me just, just explain what I'm talking about. I believe he does heal. Uh, Because things were so bad in those first five years of our marriage, we ended up having two more kids that she couldn't hardly get out of bed. She couldn't get on the floor to play with them. And our prayers changed from, God, please heal her, to, God, would you just please give her some good years where she can get down on the floor and play with our son so that they don't remember their mom as an invalid. That really ended up being our prayer for many years. And I can tell you, without getting all the details, 30 plus years later, God not only answered that, but I have to laugh and just praise God every time I see her on the floor playing with our grandkids now. God has blessed us tremendously. Did he heal her from her disease? No. Did he answer prayer in, big, in a big way? Yes. Did he use it to glorify his name? Absolutely. And we'll get into that here uh, more in a little bit. But I want to share with you, I think, three areas in which God wants to be our healer. He wants to step in and he wants to heal three different areas of our life. And, and we're going to hit the first one because it's the most important. I'm just telling you up front where we're going today. The first one is the most important. The second one is important, but I'm going to, I'm going to leave it pretty open because I think it's going to speak for itself. And I really want to dive into the third one and spend most of our morning in the third one because I think that's where a lot of the confusion is at. And so let's dive into this today. Three areas where God uh, wants to become your healer. The first one, I believe that Jesus healed heals us spiritually. He heals us spiritually. Zig Ziglar once said that the first step to solving a problem is recognizing that there is one. And we talked about this a few uh, weeks ago when we were talking about Jesus as our Savior. We don't like that because to have Jesus as a Savior implies that we need to be saved. Like there's something we need to be saved from, and we don't like that. But the reality is we had this sin problem. We, we were broken. We, we had sinned against God. We couldn't, couldn't on our own be made right with Him. And so God had to step in and become our Savior. But He, in that, 
Jesus as our Savior, he becomes our healer in this spiritual, uh, spiritual area of our life. Ephesians chapter 2 says it this way. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. See, spiritual blindness to our own condition is something that we have to overcome if we're going to ask Jesus to be the healer in this spiritual area of our life. And as long as we don't believe that we're sinners, we're not going to seek a cure for it. We have to understand that we are lost in our sin and we are in need of a Savior so that Jesus will be invited in to become our healer in this area of our lives. In order for us to move closer to God, we have to confess how far away we are from him. And Jesus wants to be our healer in the spiritual area of our lives. And so let me just say it this way, because I don't want us to, to get off track. I think this is so important for us to understand. Spiritual healing is the most important healing of all the healings. Uh, I say that because we get so distracted by other things, by, by the physical healing that we forget it's really about the spiritual healing. Uh, Jesus was more interested in our spiritual healing than he was our physical healing. Now, how can I say that? Well, because if you go back to John chapter 11, you're going to read a story about Jesus getting the news that one of his best friends, Lazarus, has passed away. And Jesus delays in going. Lazarus dies. They placed him in a tomb. He's been there for several days. And Jesus finally shows up on the scene. And, and everyone's like, why weren't you here? You could have saved him. And Jesus goes over to the tomb and he says very loudly in a prayer, God, I'm going to do this so that they might know that it was you that sent me. So it has everything to do with glorifying God when he does this, but he raises Lazarus from the grave. Like, Lazarus, come out, is what he shouts. And Lazarus walks out. He's been dead several days and he walks out. Now, let me ask you this. If you were going to pick one physical healing that you would say it was tops, like it, it just topped everything else, wouldn't it be that one? I mean, like healing a limb, a broken limb or a bone, right? Or healing a sickness or somebody's blindness. That's, that's one thing, right? But when you raise somebody to life that's been dead for several days, I have to say that's got to be at the top of the list, right? So if we're talking ranking physical healing, uh, we'd have to place that one at the very top. But here's my point with all of this. Is Lazarus around today? Does anyone know Lazarus? No, we don't. You know why? Because he eventually passed away again. 
right? Jesus rose, uh, brought him back from the dead. He rose from the grave to die again. And so let's not get hung up on the physical healing because it's the spiritual healing that's the most important out of all of them. Why? Because the physical healing is good for this world, for this life, but this is a fraction of what we're going to live. Uh, If you look at it in the way God looks at it, in all of eternity, he's more interested in our eternal life than our earthly life. So even though he did this miraculous thing, he uh, he, he raised Lazarus from the grave, Lazarus would eventually go on to die again. So is Jesus more interested in his physical or spiritual healing? I would say his spiritual healing. See, Jesus as our Savior heals us spiritually. And maybe that's what you need today. Maybe that's the first step for you today, is that you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe, maybe this is why you're here today. Uh, Isaiah 53 says it this way. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Some of your translations say, by his stripes, we are healed. And, and this has everything to do with spiritual healing. It's not about physical healing. It's about spiritual healing. He went to the cross so that we could be uh, made right with God and have eternal life with him. The apostle Peter, when he was writing his letter, actually, he referred back to Isaiah 53. This is what he had to say. He said he personally carried, talking about Jesus, carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. This is one of the reasons why we refer to Jesus as the great physician, because he's, just, he's not just interested in healing us physically, but spiritually. And this healing for our spiritual life is available to us. It's free of charge. It's offered to you. It's promised. It's, it's already paid for. It's eternal. And going back to what I said two weeks ago, the decision is up to you. Do you reject it or do you receive it? But we get hung up on the physical part and we forget that it's the spiritual healing that is actually the true miracle. I love the story in Mark chapter 2 where there's a paralyzed guy and he's got four friends and, and they haul him to go see Jesus. They hear that he's speaking and so they take him to the house. But Jesus is in the house. He's teaching and all the people have pressed in. They can't get to Jesus. So um, they're just ingenious. I, they climb up on the roof and they dig a hole in the roof and they drop him down to Jesus. And it's amazing because Jesus sees their faith and he says to the man, he says, my child, your sins are forgiven. The dude's paralyzed. Like he couldn't even get there on his own. It's obvious what he needs is physical healing. But what does Jesus say? He says, your sins are forgiven. He's more interested in the spiritual than the physical. I I love the the scene afterwards because in Mark chapter 2 verse 6 it says, but some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Listen to this question. Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? And and he goes ahead and says it. He says, look, go ahead and stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And the guy does. He heals him physically. But what was he saying in this moment? He's saying, look, I'm more interested in the spiritual healing than the physical. And and it's harder to forgive the sins than it is to, um, to heal this paralyzed man. 
I want us to get this this morning because God could have raised everyone laid in a, in a cemetery back to life and expelled less power than what it took for him to redeem you from your sins. Do you realize that? Because Jesus can heal with a word, but in order to heal you spiritually, he sent his son to die on a cross. I would rather struggle with a physical disease for the rest of my life and be healed spiritually than to live my whole life physically well and lose my soul. Jesus wants to be your healer, but first he wants to heal you spiritually. Secondly, Jesus heals us relationally. Um, Let me ask you, how important are relationships in your life? Uh, What emphasis do you place on relationships? And and actually, let me ask it better because this is a more appropriate question. Um, How important do you think God thinks relationships are in your life? Let me show you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. I love this because it says that God thinks the world of relationships. Why? Uh, Because our original relationship was broken because of sin. And what what did he do? It's a gift from God. He brought us back to himself through Christ. He sent his son. That's how important relationships are to him. God cares about our relationships. And then he says, um, I've saved you, so now I'm giving you the ministry of reconciliation, of, of relationships with the world around you so that they might have a relationship with me as well. You see how important relationships are. Uh, Jesus cares about relationships. He wants to heal our relationships. Let me ask you, in what relationship do you need Jesus to step and be the healer this morning? Maybe it's your marriage. Uh, maybe the two of you get in a big, massive fight on the way to church this morning. You're sitting here smiling. You're acting like everything's okay. But you know this is deeper. Like you need Jesus at the center of your marriage. Uh, maybe it's a wayward child or, or maybe struggles with a parent or, or maybe it's a classmate or a coworker. What relationship do you need Jesus to step in and be a healer this morning? Now, he wants to heal us spiritually. He wants to hear us, uh, heal us relationally. But then let's jump into this third one because I think this third one is the most controversial. It's the one that we misunderstand more than any. It's it's the physical, right? So Jesus heals us physically. He heals us spiritually, relationally, and physically. Now, whether it's a disease of the body or the mind or emotional scars that you have, Jesus wants us to be whole in him. And so here's what I want to do. I want to share some biblical truths about physical healing. I want to just kind of dive into this and talk about some biblical truths in hopes of being able to set the foundation for what God's going to build on top of that in our lives. And and we, we so, I think, misunderstand this. We've heard so many different teachings on it, and there's some bad theology on it. There's some good theology on it. And depending on what you've heard, you might even be at a place where you're like, I don't even know what I believe. Like, I see what I see in Scripture, but I'm not sure what to believe. And you find yourself even in a place where you're even afraid to pray for physical healing because you're not even sure if that's appropriate or not. Uh, let me just set, set the tone by giving you some biblical truths. First one is this. I believe that the church should pray for healing. I think the church should pray for healing today. Like, we need to be in prayer for healing. Uh, there's a story in John chapter 5 where Jesus goes to the pool of Bethsaida and he finds this lame man. He's been there forever. And Jesus just simply looks at him and goes, do you want to be healed? See, Jesus does care about our physical bodies. He does care about what we're going through, about, about our needs. He does know what we're uh, dealing with on a daily basis. The New Testament teaches us that the Spirit actually uh, moves within the body of Christ, within the church, 
to carry out the wishes that God has, and, and in that, actually gives the body the gift of healing. You realize that? That's one of the spiritual gifts that's distributed to the body. Uh, take a look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, to one person, the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. So we're given the gift of healing as part of those gifts. And, and it goes on in the next verse to spell out several more gifts, but then it wraps up in 11 with this. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So it's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the work that He's doing within the body of Christ that decides who gets what gifts. There is a gift of healing. So within our body, there might be a person or a couple of people that have the gift of healing. And if that's you, it's not given to you just so you can walk around and lay hands on people and they're healed. That's not what it's for. God, God will use you in bringing healing to other people around you. But it's all because of the Holy Spirit. You don't decide it. I don't decide it. The Holy Spirit is the only one who decides uh, who gets that gift. Now, um, not only should we be praying for healing, but I also believe that God answers prayers for healing when it aligns with his sovereign will. Now, I told you our story. We, have, we did not receive ultimate healing for my wife's disease. But you know, I know people who have. Uh, I've, I've seen healing happen when it aligns with God's will, uh, when, when it promotes who he is, when it brings glory to him, I've seen people be healed of certain things. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 4 says, and God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. God's the one that chooses. That's not up to us. That's not even up to the person who he, he has given the gift of healing. It's only up to God. I, I do know that God gives the gift of healing to people within the church. I, I know that he always intends, when he heals, to bring glory and honor to his name, to point people to him. That's usually when you will see a healing take place. Now, God is the only one that heals. It's not any one of us. And I want to make sure, make sure that it's very, very plain and clear. And it's only when it fits with his sovereign will. Um, a few weeks ago in our staff meeting, we were spending some time in prayer, praying about certain things that were going on. And, and uh, this is back when the whole Afghanistan thing started breaking. And if I'm honest with you, I'll just say, I'm still broken over this whole situation. I'm struggling with it. Um, and we know that over the last 20 years, because of the presence that the United States has had there, that Christianity has grown They've planted churches that many people have, have found Christ in that culture. And they've been protected because of our presence there. So many churches are established and, and there's missionaries and pastors being trained and, and raised up in that area. And people are receiving Christ and they're publicly proclaiming that they're deciding to turn toward Christ. Which is something unheard of in a Muslim world. But yet that's what's going on. And, and when... The U.S., and we're not going to have a discussion on who's at fault. It doesn't matter. The reality is this. We've withdrawn and we've exposed all of them. The church within Afghanistan is being persecuted. And one of the missionaries there relayed a message back to us and just said, most of the brothers and sisters that we have in Afghanistan expect to meet Jesus within the next few weeks. 
And we're broken over that. And so we're praying for him. And I begin to pray. And in the middle of my prayer, it was almost like God impressed upon my heart. Like I'm praying for protection. I'm praying that he's sustained their life. And in the middle of that, I got this impression like God was saying, what if it's not my will? What if my will is to go ahead and bring them home? And what if my will to bring them home actually proclaims to the rest of the country that, that I am real, that I am a God who loves my people and that I am, I, I've given my life for them and, and that it is real. Like the, like the people outside of the faith would realize, wait, they sacrificed their lives because they did believe it so much. They gave their lives for it, so there must be something to it. What if God in the middle of that is doing something else that I'm aware, unaware of? And yet, I'm more concerned about their physical body. Are you with me? Are you, are you tracking? See, God's sovereign will is at play here. And none of us have the authority to heal. We can't do that. We pray for it, but God is the one that decides, and God alone decides. There's a great story in Acts chapter 3 where Peter and John are walking into Jerusalem. They're actually walking up to the temple, and they go by the, the gate beautiful. And there's a, a guy that's been lame since birth. He's been there forever, and, and he's begging. And, and Peter looks at him, and he says, look, I have nothing to give you. Like, I have no gold or silver, silver, but what I give you in the name of Jesus Christ um, of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he heals the dude right there on the spot. And this guy has never walked his entire life. He's been lame since birth, and yet he jumps up, and not only is he able to walk, but he's able to dance. Like he's praising God, he's shouting, and he's causing such a commotion. He's following Peter and John around to where now everyone's starting to figure out what's going on. They're watching, and they're like, hey, isn't that the guy that's been lame by the gate? Isn't that? And so they're starting to realize there's something to this, and, and Peter sees an opportunity. It says in, in Acts chapter 3, verse 12, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this and why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. God allowed Peter to be the conduit they used to bring healing to this guy. But Peter himself is actually acknowledging, look, it's not me who heals. Like, it's God who heals. And, and it wasn't even just so this guy could walk. It's to bring glory and honor to his name. So that you would know that Jesus is who he says he is. It's one of the reasons why when we pray with people, we pray in the name of Jesus. Because that's where the power is at. It's, it's not from us. It's not the power of Bob or Don or Joe or, or Nancy. That's not it. It's in the power of Jesus Christ. And when God heals someone, he doesn't do it just for show. He does it for the common good of his body and, and as a witness to the world, especially an unbelieving world that doesn't know him. He, he desires that no one should perish. And when he heals, it's not only for the good of his body, his church, but it's also to reach those outside the church. Paul tells us that healing, uh, like all spiritual gifts, is given for the common good of the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us why? So that we can use it for our own good? No. It says so we can help each other. Now, the word that's used there many times is edify. It's to edify the church. So as Christians, uh, we're not to expect healing for every injury or every illness. Um, the gift of healing is an exception. It's not the norm. To be healed is, is an exception. It's not the norm. 
And it has to align with God's will. God's the one that does that. Healings are never meant just to be an individual blessing. It's given to us so that it might bless the people around us and bless the church and reach people that are far from God. So many times we have to acknowledge that God doesn't heal. We pray, and as I shared with you in my own story, we pray for healing, and yet sometimes the answer comes back, no. Um, So let me ask you, what about when God doesn't physically heal? What do we do with that? How do we process that? What do we do when God says no? I think God obviously doesn't answer every prayer for healing. And the ultimate reason for that, I think, is many times just that God is God. That his thoughts are higher than ours, his ways are higher than ours, and and he makes that decision. We don't understand why he says no sometimes, but he sometimes will say no or not yet. I think for me, I wonder sometimes if it's not a question of trusting. Like God doesn't give us the healing because he wants us to trust him. And for me personally, let me just tell you, my wife not being healed... I had to get to a place where I just trusted God's plan. Okay, we prayed for it. We didn't get it. So now I just trust that God is doing something in and through that. And then I can turn and start looking forward and start asking, what is it that God wants to do with it today? Um, Maybe God knows that if he brought the healing, that wouldn't help us become more like him. Um, I think for me personally, I probably would have been more arrogant I probably would have been a person that, that uh, when I talk to someone and they tell me they're struggling with a disease, I wouldn't have as much heart for them. God has shaped me. He shaped my wife. He shaped our family through the answer of no to our prayer requests. So we don't know sometimes, and I think it's a matter of trust. We just trust in God and know that he has a greater plan at work. Now, um, that guy that was healed at the, the gate, beautiful, Peter walks over, hey, um, you know, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Um, here's what's interesting, and we are not told this in Scripture, but I find it fascinating. He's been there since birth. He's been lame since birth, which means that extended into the life of Jesus. And this is, this is the temple in Jerusalem where we know Jesus went many times, which if you, if you look at it, you would have to say, well, Jesus had to have passed by him how many times? And yet Jesus never healed him. So in my sanctified imagination, I wonder if there was, wasn't ever a moment when Jesus was walking into Jerusalem, going to the temple, and he looked over and saw that guy and thought to himself, just wait, buddy. Like, you're not going to believe what's going to happen. It's going to be pretty amazing. And it wasn't until years later when Peter walked by that he would be healed. I, I love that story. Because sometimes the answer is not yet. God uses our illness. He uses our afflictions in in amazing, beautiful, and sanctifying ways to build our faith, to cultivate our humility, to help us experience his strong and sufficient grace, to to bring more joy into our lives. And I know that sounds so counterintuitive. Like, how could an illness bring more joy? But it can. Because I guarantee you, my wife and I, we appreciate every day more because of what we've been through. We don't take any day for granted. Um, there is more joy in our lives. We appreciate the lives of our grandkids, I think, even more. We're cherishing every moment with them because of what we've been through. See, Jesus heals for two reasons. He heals uh, for glory, for his own glory, and he also heals out of his own goodness. 
God knows sometimes that healing would be counterproductive, like, like we would walk away from him or, or we would take things for granted or we would be less sympathetic to the world around us or whatever it is. Sometimes his healing would be counterproductive. And he says, no, God's healing may not, may not always come in, in the form that you think either. See, sometimes this healing is completely different. I just shared with you ours. Sometimes, because uh, we, we pray for healing, and we sometimes have it in our head how God is going to heal. Like, I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to be, uh, I'm not going to have a single pain or ache ever again. And sometimes that's not what it is. Sometimes this healing comes a little bit differently. Sometimes this healing might just be to prolong your life so that you might live longer to bring glory and honor to his name. Maybe that's what he's doing. See, I want you to get this. True healing isn't found in the absence of physical illness. True healing is found in the presence of God. We should be seeking our relationship and growing in our relationship with God. And then asking the question, God, would you heal me? And if the answer to that is no, then we have to trust that he has a better plan. And then look for ways that God's going to use it. There was a pastor in Texas by the name of uh, Dwayne Miller. And uh, he was pastoring a church, and, and uh, one day he caught a flu. He didn't think anything of it. He just thought it was a normal flu and started to fight it. And, and in hindsight, when they go back and look at it, they, they realized that he caught this, uh, this flu that actually attacked the nerve tissues of his vocal cords. And he was struggling with it so much that he got up and taught on a Sunday morning. And he said it was like somebody was choking him, like there was glass in his throat. And he was just very difficult. And he started losing his voice. And by the time he got done with Sunday morning, he was at a church that did Sunday night services. He told his leadership, he said, look, I can't even teach Sunday night because this has gotten so bad. And it started a year-long process of him trying to get well, and it wasn't happening. And after a year of this, he finally had to step down as the pastor of this church because as pastors, our voice is somewhat important. I don't know if you know that. But he, he couldn't do it any longer. And he says, look, I can't do the job. I can't keep the position. I have to step down. And he left ministry. And he ended up moving his family to Houston. They got closer to some specialists, some doctors. His wife ended up having to get a job to support the family. And he's struggling with all of this. And over a three-year period, he saw 63 different specialists. He saw over 200 doctors trying to, trying to get fixed, trying to get his throwback. His whole life uh, was, was pointing at ministry, at teaching the word of God, and he couldn't do that any longer. And he started slipping into depression. While they were in Houston, they got involved in a really, really large Baptist church. And as a big Baptist church, they had a Sunday school, an adult Sunday school class of about 150 people. And he and his wife started attending that, knowing you know, that they just needed to be plugged into a, a family of God. And so they're, they're attending faithfully. And the Sunday school teacher befriended him and found out he was a pastor. And then they started talking, and, and he was helping him with some things. And, and because Dwayne was slipping into depression, this Sunday school teacher was trying to help him best he could. And there came a day when the Sunday school teacher knew that he was going to be gone. And he said, he thought it would be good for Dwayne. So he asked Dwayne, he said, would you fill in for me? Would you teach this lesson? And Dwayne's like, man, you don't want me teaching that. He says, nobody wants to hear this voice. He says, it's everything I can do just to get it. And then besides, nobody's going to hear me. And the Sunday school teacher said, look, we'll just, we'll hook up a microphone and we'll crank it up so everybody can hear you. Don't worry about it. And finally, Dwayne said, okay, I'll teach it. And ironically, uh, the teaching that morning was on healing. And it was on the passage that Pastor Tim read earlier, Psalm 103. And so he gets up to teach this, and thank goodness it's recorded, because a Sunday school of 150 people, you know, every week some people would miss, and so they record it so those who miss could hear it. And they recorded this message, and I want you to hear um, Dwayne teach this lesson on healing. 
Because what you're going to see and what you're going to hear is that God shows up in the middle of this and begins to heal him. I want you to watch this. So when the psalmist writes, and he heals all of my diseases, let me say to you that I believe God still heals. That hasn't ended. That is not over. Now you have to be careful on how you do this. Because there are folks who carry things to an excess and it becomes a show. And God has never intended that that be what it is. God heals in his sovereign will. I don't know why God does things that he does, but I know that he does. And the only thing he requires of me is to allow him to be God and me to be me and let it be. To say that every single person will always be healed because Jesus died on the cross is a misinterpretation of scripture. Not true. Won't work. Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about physical healing. I'm sorry. That's just not the context. And to impress that there causes a misinterpretation of scripture. That's wrong. On the other hand, to say that, since we don't have anything after the book of Acts, that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again is equally as wrong. Because you have put God in a box both ways. And he doesn't want to be in the box. So, the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, O my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And in verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now, I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had, and you have had in times past, pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm but overwhelmed at the moment. I'm not quite sure what to say or do. <laughs> I'm uh, Sounds funny to say at a loss for words. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I He redeems my life from the pit. <laughs> and crowns me with love and compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. 
The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. The Lord is slow to anger. The Lord is abounding in love. The Lord will not accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. That's mercy. Or repay us according to our iniquities. That's mercy. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Dwayne would go on to um, go back into the ministry. He's actually pastor in a church today because of God's healing. So does God heal? Absolutely. Does he heal every time? No. Why? Because he's the one that chooses. I, I want us today to um, just to be open to this, to, to follow scripture. Uh, because we're told in scripture that if we're sick, uh, well, let me just read it to you. James chapter five says, uh, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. That's what we do. And then we put it in God's hands. And whatever God decides, God decides. But we shouldn't be afraid to come before our God who wants to be our healer and ask for that.